I think you actually just pin on something really key there. Actually take charge of your life, not being at the mercy of your clients. And, and that's one of the things that this entire industry has seen for a long time. One of the things that I talk about is actually you dictating how your clients should be doing things versus letting them run the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Building a Profitable MSP. I am your host, Chris Weiser, here with a really cool guest today, a fellow Wisconsinite, Packer fan, Patrick Herter. What's up, buddy? Hey, doing good. Getting cold down here. We're up yeah. here. I bet, let's see. I, I, I'm in Austin, Texas now. It's 64 here right now. This is a chilly, for the record, this is a chilly winter day. We're coming up to the start of winter here. It's mid-December here in, in uh, Austin, Texas, but it's 64 degrees. What do you got? Low thirties. No, that's, that's a pretty yeah. nice day. That's actually a pretty it, nice day for up there. Actually, was I was standing in line for Santa Claus with the kids outside yesterday, complaining it was cold, and somebody said it's above freezing. Come on. Yeah, actually, I, I look at my parents' next ten days. It looks pretty nice. So that's not too bad. Yeah. Anyway, um, so we did not know each other, uh, pre, you know, prior to you being a seven-figure MSP client. Even though I was in Wisconsin, from Wisconsin, uh, it's, it's cool for me to actually have a. A fellow Wisconsinite on, on the podcast with me. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about your journey, uh, where you guys are at now, where you came from, any great, you know, I know you got a couple tips that we want to talk about uh, to give some of our listeners. And I think one of the things I will tell you, I noticed about your company, uh, your network security, I asked you in the green room, when did you, you know, how, how, what was it before? And you're like, well, actually, it's always been that. So you're like a little bit of a trendsetter. I like to see that. So ahead of the curve, uh, when did you register your network security? Uh, back in uh, early 2012. Man, so yeah, you were way ahead of the curve. That's 10 plus years ago. We're uh, December 23 right now for you guys listening and watching. Uh, how did you get the idea to do that? Because back back in the day, that kind of you know security wasn't necessarily the thing. Were you going to try and be an MSSP or, or where was your head? Well, if I were to go back to my first interest, and and uh, I can't say that I started my IT career knowing that's one what I wanted to do. I was a video game addict, so I never really oh. imagined thought very far into the future. But um, <laughs> what, what did you I, play, what did you play back then when you say you're a video game addict? Were you like a Halo? Oh boy! Going back further, this is Quake, mid '90s. Oh so that was so, like yeah. piece old school PC games. Yep. Windows 95, yeah, yeah. 98. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I had Doom and Quake and all that stuff. It was a good time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, good time. I was a Half-Life guy. So I had a, I had a Half-Life server. Uh, nice. And we, I was always pinging like four milliseconds, and I would just destroy everybody because I was sitting on the land with the server. It was pretty cool. It was good good time. Counter-Strike. Yep, yep. Good times back then. Okay, so you were a little bit ahead of the curve. Uh, where do you sit now? T tell me about your MSP, uh, et cetera. Central Wisconsin, what else we got? Yeah, so I guess I I not knowing what I wanted to do, I just I just found um, a startup internet service company uh, back in the late 80s or late late 90s rather, and uh, they were all drunk at the fair. And I said, hey, you guys need some technical support? And they said, sure. So they paid me cash under the table for a while, little while, made it legitimate, and I never used a cert, uh, certification the way I went and obtained them, or a college education, even though I went and got it just for my own confidence sake, um, at all from then till this day. Mm -hmm. But I always had an interest in IT security. I used to listen to uh, like Paul.com Security Weekly um, podcasts 
uh, a long, long time ago. And that was just a really a big passion of mine. And uh, a previous service provider I used to work for, I always said, this is what I want to do. I wanted to start a company that focuses on IT security. Um, so ultimately, that's that's what I ended up doing in 2012. I was at that time I had, I took a two year stint where I worked in the enterprise space and in, in the insurance insurance company, uh, in the insurance industry, and um, wanted to see how deep I could get with my knowledge in a in a specific area instead of being a jack of all trades. Um, and then uh, then launched my own company, turned my turned that enterprise uh, into a client for a short term to kind of launch everything. Yeah. But then I really very quickly realized how hard it is to sell, or at that time, how hard it was to sell security. Mm -hmm. um, well, nobody, nobody, cared. nobody really cared back then because it was just more like physical access, doors, windows. Yes. Building access, right? That's maybe some, uh, some cameras, but not a whole lot of actual internet security was there. I mean, I used to have a firewall and antivirus and anti-spam, but that was about it. Right. And I guess, you know, I, I was, I had the wherewithal um, at that moment in time to say, well, the differentiator would be making sure I have a good backup, um, getting rid of the old tape systems and, and still making sure that uh, there's some, some sort of an air gap between their live data and their backups. And that way, the only thing we were worried about is if someone got ransomware, you would be able to get their stuff back without paying the ransom. Uh, it's very basic. So I said, I can do that. And I could mm -hmm. at least sell day-to-day -day IT uh, support and services through, you know, I always was a managed service provider from day one. I didn't start out with break fix. Yeah. Um, cool. So let's, yeah. so let's kind of, kind of pivot a little bit to uh, your seven figure MSP journey. Uh, you've been in my, how long you been in the, in our elite program? Um, what, three months. Okay. So that's, that's great. And you know, I, one of the things I notice about you is you're joining like all the calls that I'm on, you're there, which is awesome to see. Uh, so that means you're actively participating, taking in the content. Where do you see yourself from when you came in three months ago to kind of where you are now in terms of your, your evolution or your education journey? What, and, and I want to get into three or four tips that you'd give other MSPs Actually, how big are you as a company in terms of, of people or staff or anything you want to give? I'm yeah. yeah, right now it's just me. Uh, I had an employee just prior to the uh, pandemic, but the timing of that didn't end up working yeah. out very well. So uh, we went back to just myself and um, growing from there. Okay. So single person shop, what have you learned? What, what has helped you evolve from day one in this program three months ago to now? Yeah. So... Over time, you lose you lose confidence when you're when you're on an island by yourself. And I was facing I have a, my my largest customer didn't really have any interest in having IT anything. He it was a go to the Best Buy and buy a box product off the shelf type yeah. of and probably use like Geek Squad and that kind of stuff to set it all up. Right, the typical right. small business or or even solopreneur shop that wants to just go do it that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I was facing the very real possibility that they would quit um, right about now uh, for IT service and just say it's just not worth it, even though they were paying, you know, per seat was pathetic. So um, shouldn't have really been too much of a worry, but every dollar is important when you're not um, yeah. running with huge margins. And I decided when I was uh, introduced to seven figure, I, I thought, well, 
I can just let this happen and have absolutely no new skill set, nothing to really guarantee or give me any confidence that um, I can turn that around, that loss around, or I could just leap in with both feet and yeah. hopefully gain some knowledge to be prepared for when this 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 probably happens and actually take charge of my life for once. Yeah. Well, I think you actually just just hit on something really key there, actually take charge of your life, not being at the mercy of your clients. And, and that's one of the things that this entire industry has seen for a long time. I know you're, you're on our weekly calls uh, with me specifically. I know you're on a couple others as well. But one of the things that I talk about on those calls is actually you dictating how your clients should be doing things versus letting them run the show. And I think it is such yeah. an important thing for today's world. And it's, you know, for you guys that are listening, if you think about where the MSP sits in terms of how much this industry has actually caused some of the hacking epidemic that we a little bit have, like it's 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 a little bit taboo to talk about, and I understand that, but let's be honest: if we would not be, if we've not, how do I say this? If we have not been letting the client dictate the path of support due to fear of losing them. Just kind of what you were talking about. Would we be sitting here? in this world. Now, the positive thing is that times are changing. We've seen things evolve. We're seeing things grow and the MSP is starting to say, look, Mr. Client, you need more. What are you going to do? And they'll go, oh, we don't want to pay for it. Well, that's too bad. Okay, that's fine. You have to pay for it, but I'm not going to be left holding the bag because I told you this is what you have to do. How much do you think that mindset and a lot of that side note guys that are listening, that mindset is really one of the, the keystones of what we build into our coaching program. Where do you see that as being a, a benefit or, or a positive piece? It's huge. I mean, one of the things I had to admit in, in some of those uh, classes, it was, it was neat to hear that I wasn't alone in my decision-making, but I think even though we don't admit it out loud, we know it, that there's huge risks that we're sitting on with our client base when we don't really push or control that conversation. And what we do, and I did this a lot, is you realize I'm not sleeping well at night because I know in the back of my mind, there's this new threat out there and all my customers are vulnerable to it. So I'm going to go get this tool, find the cheapest way of acquiring this tool that mitigates yeah. this risk. And I'm not, I'm not going to approach my customers and ask them to pay for it. I'm just going to take the hit and my profit is going to be my better sleep at night. Yeah. Pretty important thing you just said there too. Like you think about where, first of all, most MSPs aren't charging enough. And I, I think based on what you're telling me, most MSPs aren't charging enough. And as opposed to the, the discomfort of having a financial conversation with your clients or even worse saying, um, yeah, I need more cybersecurity tools in my stack. I need to do more things. Oh, you're going to have to pay more because I can't afford them as we sit. It's easier to just buy them. And like you said, eat it versus dealing with the potential rejection or worse, the potential they're going to leave you and go find somebody else because you're just a commodity. Right. So I think those are really important. Anything you want to add to that? Well, and, and in the reality is in that relationship, the customer doesn't know you're doing that. So you're still a commodity, even after you've done all that yeah. Yeah. remediation. Almost, almost worse because, you know, how much in your head, you, you've heard me talk about our, during our coaching calls, how much do you think your existing client base fully believed you were handling, you were their IT guy and you were handling everything for them and you had them, you had them covered. You, would you say that's like a, a 10 or like a one? or anywhere in between that they believe that what's your thoughts on that? 
you know, it's 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 interesting because probably most of them didn't even put a whole lot of a thought to it. Um, yeah. So as we as we've been going as we've been going through um, these conversations with our clients, part of that light bulb moment is them realizing, yeah, you are the only person I know that has anything to do with our IT. So I guess it does make sense. I would come to you if something happened. And so it's so far, man. I didn't really think about that. So it's so far off their radar. Yeah, they don't even realize it. So one really important tip coming out of this episode, and I think Patrick, you just nailed that, is you just are like your clients are oblivious to to what we see as the obvious thing. Like they're going to get hacked. What's the plan? They don't even have it. It's not even like I said on their radar at all that they're going to get hacked. It's just a matter of something they got to kind of plan for and, and deal with. Yeah, they they want simple. In fact, I had one uh, business owner that just said, I want simple IT. I don't want to pay a whole lot for it. I want to do hourly. Let's just go back to the way things and, were. And, and hackers want that simple IT too, yeah. don't they? Yeah. And it's it's funny because you really have to slow walk those conversations because yeah. they're so far from where they need to be. Um, it's it's enlightening. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. So that's a really that's a really good tip. You know, so I think number number one out of that is make sure you're talking to your clients actively about cybersecurity. But almost more importantly, what's that? They're gonna get breached. They're gonna have a problem. What's your plan gonna be, Mister Client? Because maybe they think it's you, but maybe more importantly, they don't even have it on their radar until it's a they have a bad day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that bad day, that bad day is gonna be filled with emotions, panic, and your best friend is suddenly gonna turn into somebody like, like the the drowning person when you're trying to rescue them. They're not going to be like, oh, thank you for rescuing me. And then they'll just hold on to the life reserve. But they're trying to drag you down because they're freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe if if they end up drowning anyway, everyone else then gloms on and blames you. Or let's say they lose somebody or lose something important to them. Boom. Then it becomes your responsibility because I will yep. tell you and Patrick, we've seen we've been together in the room when we've had some people that are dealing with this because we've definitely had some clients that are getting breaches at, at their clients and these other things. They're looking for someone to blame. And I think the yep. insurance companies are looking for someone to blame. Okay. Yep. That's a couple of really good tips. What would you say your dawning moment was? Because you just kind of talked a little, did you have that when it was like the, I'm laying in bed worrying about, you know, what ifs, or did you have that? Was was there one thing that made you be like, "Oh my God, I need help doing this"? Um, I think I. I mean, it really. You know, I was I was probably this close before joining. Um, like I said, it, it, it's subconscious, and you and you're doing some of the things to sleep better at night. So it was really the first first day, just on the onboarding with with you, where you talked about risk that we're sitting on what happens when a customer uh goes through a breach event and that relationship instantly changes from this is the computer guy who i didn't think was anything yeah. more talented than my nephew who fixes computers while he's going to college to you should have known all this stuff you should have protected us from this situation and it i could easily see that pathway in all of my customers mindsets and in you the way you illustrated it made it so obvious and i'm like it just was kind of a freak out moment for me yeah <laughs> okay. 
So that's great. I mean, that's great to hear from my standpoint, I guess, because I, I mean, it's important to me that that message comes across. And for you guys that are listening to this, I would love to have you in the coaching program, but I want you to actively do something about this in your own world. If you have not the amount of MSPs that I see that are out there that are just sitting there kind of not evolving and not changing is mind blowing. And I think it's so, so critical that you actively work on this and you don't have, a, have to have a dawning moment with me, but you better do something to evolve and change because you better have good agreements. You better have tight relationships with your vendors. You better have good cybersecurity insurance internally because at some point they're going to get hacked. Like I, I actively, I stood in a room last week of 45 people in Los Angeles and had everybody, every MSP in the room raised their hand. And I said, who in this room can prevent all hacks? And all the hands went down. You were actually on a call with me this morning. I asked the same question. All the hands went down because we know we can't stop all the hacks, but your client either thinks you got their back or like you just mentioned in your, in your first point is totally oblivious to getting hacked or, or basically that the hackers are after their money now. So mm-hmm. really important stuff. Okay. So next step, what big scenario would you say is, is the next thing that you think for your clients or, or you and your MSP, you're going to try and tackle related to, you know, growth or, or sales? Um, well, I had quite a bit of work that I had to, to get from where I was to, to where I need to be from a technical standpoint, but um, just getting confidence in selling in the first place. And, and one of the fears that, that it's so easy. I was telling a customer before this call, I was having lunch with them and uh, it, it's so easy to accidentally sell on FUD because there is a lot of fear in just the yeah. simple reality. If you of, guys are listing FUD is fear, uncertainty and doubt. If you don't know what that is. So <laughs> thank you for defining that. I think like probably a week ago I kept hearing it. And I, yeah. Um, yeah. Scare, scare, tactic, scare selling, scare tactic, that kind of thing. We don't ever want to sell on that. And I, okay. I'll let you keep going. Right. I just want to try to find that. Yeah. Um, it, it, but the reality, and, and even just looking at the statistics, do show the risk out there. And so just even becoming aware of it and walking through how to how to communicate that to customers in a way, this is this is really key for me um, because and most SPs, especially uh, newer startups, are so technically minded because we all come from engineering backgrounds. Mm-hmm that we get in our own way so much with, with selling. And the very moment some nuanced technicality comes into something we're saying in the sales process, we will undermine ourselves so quickly. And that does a disservice both to your own value and also just the customer just, it, it kind of instantly, get, you get that, that deer in the headlights look and you've lost your audience. Uh, to, so to really simplify it, um, and bring a message clearly across doesn't take the technical prowess we think it does. Yeah, and I, and I think you've you've done a good job participating and executing with us, learning that from Cindy and Cindy mm-hmm. Phillips is our head sales coach. She's on with me uh, not too long ago on the show. Um, so I think a couple things that I'm hearing from you on that is number one, don't sell on FUD. I think that that mm-hmm. fear, uncertainty, and doubt, don't sell scare tactics. Be very honest with your prospect. Be very honest with your client. You are going to get hacked. Here's what we have to do. And so much of this, guys, is establishing a pattern of behavior. We cared about your cybersecurity. We cared about your well-being. Here's what we did. Here's what we did. Here's what we did. Here's what we did. Because we can't stop the hacks. So we have to show that you as an MSP were not negligent. Next thing I think I, I heard there is 
making sure you keep your solution simple and not overly techie and commoditized. And I think that's really important, right? Any, any, yeah. any explanation on that or thought, further thoughts on that? You know, there's so many tools to choose from. I guess it, it uh, is easy to get caught up in, in that detail and you're really not, you're not, you're not providing the tools. I, I like the illustration of we're a broker to our customers. You know, our, even if the, even if you have an IT team, it's a lot of work to pick out and test out each vendor um, for different types of security solutions and stuff. There's a ton of value in being that one that does that for your customers, whether it's just a small business with no IT team or a, or a medium-sized business with an IT team. There is a lot of value to constantly vet uh, and criticize and, and pick the best solution for that. Well, and, and so many of these vendors that MSPs have the access to they're like, I don't care how great their IT team is. I don't care how big their IT team is. It could be one person or 15 people. They don't have the access to the same tools that the MSP industry has. That's a huge, right. huge advantage that this industry has now is that you're going to have access to tools that they don't have access to. What's your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. And a lot of, a lot of times the MSP tools, um, they're, they're, they integrate. So yeah, you might yeah. be able to get similar tools individually off the shelf, the virtual shelf, I guess I should say, but to understanding how that they interplay with one another is that's, that's a science almost. Yeah. Um, one other thing that I will tell you is it's pretty apparent to me that the MSP is moving away from the technical person, I'm not saying that you're, that, and I'm going to be very clear about this. That doesn't mean that you're not a service-focused company and service isn't important, but you actually having the guys with the certs, you actually doing all the work on the tickets and, and not having a, bro, a partner do a majority of that work. I think those days are, are getting numbered, which is a really, really good thing for, for the MSP because you move more into the profitable broker side of things versus being the one that has to employ all the experts. It's hard to find good teams. It's much lesser hard, less hard, <laughs> much less hard to find good MSP partners to work with and let them worry about doing all the grunt work. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I would agree that, you know, as I go back to getting to the size of looking for employees and things, there's more options available when you're looking at people with good communication skills and a good work ethic. Um, yeah. You know, the technical stuff could be trained up to the level they need that we need for them, for them to do their job. Right. Yep. Absolutely. But, absolutely. So, okay. I want, I want to pivot back to the sales stuff. You had a couple of things that you said related to having, and you mentioned this multiple times, having a sales process and having structure around sales. What did that look like for you coming into our coaching program? Um, I, I don't, I don't know this answer, so I'm asking you totally green from my standpoint. Did you have a sales process or what was it and what does it look like now? Uh, let's see. My sales process, it was kind of like this. <laughs> it was a, and for, the, for you guys listening to audio, Patrick is currently praying. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I've, I've, I've been in uh, a number of groups throughout the last 11 years. Um, you know, some that sell that focus on marketing, some that focus on, um, on operations, um, it, you know, specific to the MSP space, but I, I never, I never went to school or took the training on sales skills mm. specifically. Um, so that was seriously lacking. So even if I got a lead in, it was, 
it was just a prayer to whether so or not did, I would. Let me ask you this, them. and this is a real question. Like, how did you think you were going to grow? Like, did you, did you just start a business and be like, if they, if I build this, I'm going to, and I'm not being critical here. I'm just, I'm legitimately yeah. asking the question because there's a lot of MSPs that build it pretty similarly to this. Like, what did you, like when you went into it, you're like, okay, I'm going to build this IT company. Uh, or maybe you just like, it kind of happened, but how did you have in your mind that you were going to, did you have a sales planning process? Did you have a growth mindset or you know, any of that? Or, or was it just like more of the prayer that you just talked about? Um, take a drink of water. Take a body on that one. I think that was fine. <laughs> big, big swig. Cause that, I mean, boy, you might need an extra half an hour on this. Cause for my story um, on how that plays out, I wanted to be a multi-million dollar MSP when I first started. I pictured doing that, like building an asset, sales, um, and riding off into the sunset at some point, and that would be my retirement fund. I would control that. But the second year in business, uh, you know, starting out our business, we were trying to adopt our nephew um, who had just been born. When I when I was at the enterprise space, starting my my company, we wiped out all of our savings in this adoption process it was a, it was an absolute disaster um was, that it, was it successful though did you end up adopting it, him? it was okay. but it started a journey that i would have never expected okay. um i'd like it, to hear that yeah it's cool we knew my wife is um she's like dr mom um and we knew that we would have an opportunity to adopt him before he was born despite all that proactivity it took 11 months because of interstate politics to get him into our into our home. Then my wife noticed there was something medically off with him, and it took another 11 months to get a doctor to diagnose him. And we got a neurologist that said there's something seriously off here. Did a genetic test, found out he had um, a life-shortening um, rare disease. It was like he was the 400th diagnosed with this rare, not very wow. fancy-named disease. Um, and he ended up passing away 11 months later. So it was like three wow. 11 months periods. Wow. And that was, I was set, I was in my second year of business when that happened. Um, so there was a lot of medical stuff. I was running the full-time job of trying to grow the business, handle the medical side. Well, all of a sudden that, that hit, hits you across the face base. Cause I got two by four across the face, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then I, and then in this weird stubborn fit of stubbornness with, uh, with wish foundation because of the time of year he died wisconsin ground is frozen mm -hmm. um we couldn't we asked uh it was a playground related thing in our in our yard which we asked to do and they said well we uh, i said well take that wish since we don't need it for us anymore put it at the playground across the street and just put in a wheelchair accessible feature over there and that's not in their wheelhouse in terms of it's yeah. family so I said, yeah, well, they fine. I'll tra they can't transfer wishes, right? Right. So I said, I'll do it. I'll, I'll design my own playground and I'll build it and fundraise for it. And I spent the next six years um, designing, testing with my kids from Minnesota to Milwaukee. Um, probably drove by you by a couple times back then. Yeah. But um, testing out playgrounds, we ended up designing a two and a half million dollar wheelchair accessible playground wow. called Jojo's Jungle. Well, that's, and, a, uh, that's a hell of a mission though. Um, so, wow. 
Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't know any of this going into that. That's crazy. In in that process, I I re I re envisioned what I wanted for the business to mm -hmm. something just smaller, um, you know, just almost a little more than a hobby job, you know, something that would sustain our family, but not something so complicated that you know I had to deal with staff and all the other things. Yeah. Um, so that was where my mindset was uh, coming through the pandemic period um, and and everything there. But I also realized that I was losing confidence over time in pricing things properly. And, and it was, it was not going to last if I didn't, if I didn't make a change, a serious change. And that's what ultimately ended up leading me in this direction with you guys. Cause it, um, it, things change so quickly in this industry. Uh, and if you're, if you're kind of by yourself, you're not, you're not catching it as fast as you need to. Well, and, and, and you know, you think about, what it was from let's say 2010 through 2020 didn't change a lot up right. until COVID, right? It was pretty static. Mm -hmm. uh, I think about, you know, 2010 to 2015, I sold my MSP uh, mid 2015. My stack didn't change much. It was pretty much the same stuff. Didn't evolve. Well, now we're seeing stack changes monthly at the minimum. Yeah. Oh, uh, if, not, if not very more often than that, there's new vendors coming out of, no, out, of, out of everywhere because there's so much security stuff going on. And I think it's really critical. And this is where seven figure MSP came from. It's really critical that we actually have a sales process, <coughs> excuse me, that follows along with growth and evolution and having enough profit margin. And I think mm -hmm. that's some of our messaging is making sure that you have any, our goal is an 80% profit, gross profit margin across, across the board for all of your products. And I think it's a really important piece. <clears throat> okay. I uh, got a couple, couple more minutes left here. Any more, any, what's, what's like one final big tip that you could give the MSP that's sitting on the fence without a sales. And I don't want this to be a seven figure MSP thing. So leave that, leave that alone. But what's, what's one tip that you could give to somebody that's sitting out there listening saying i need to grow or i need to evolve or i don't know what to do or maybe they were in a similar spot like you i need to do something what's your thoughts you need to be open to the possibility um not that possibility you need to be open to the reality that it doesn't matter where you are this this the same thing is needed you know you, you need to have a profitable business to deliver to your customers and it doesn't matter if you're in metropolis or if you're in farmland. I, I happen to pretty much be in farmland here. Um, everybody needs security, IT security, and you're the one that's going to deliver it. And you can't just put, let, let the, uh, I don't know, let the bias or the head trash to convince you that this isn't for you or this isn't going to work in your area because it does. The, the threats are the same. This is a global economy. I mean, everybody is equally, equally, equal opportunity victims. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, it's funny because it's, uh, I have people all the time, MSP owners tell me all the time, well, I'm in Australia, I'm in the UK, I'm in Canada, I'm in the United States. Uh, my clients are not attacked potentials or they're not at risk or they're not, you know, they think they're not at risk. They're all going to get hit guys. Uh, and the money spends the same, you know, may not be a lot, but a hundred grand is a lot to a hacker. It's, it's a real lot to a small business owner. Right. Okay. Uh, well, really great discussion today, sir. I think, uh, I, 
I had no idea about your mission uh, with your playground. That's awesome to hear. Congratulations on that. Sorry about your, that was your nephew, you said. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about your nephew. Uh, that's a tough deal, but uh, it sounds like you made some lemonade out of lemons on it for sure. And uh, really pleasure to have you on here. Really excited about the Packers season this year. We got we got some good stuff going on with the Packers, but uh, great, great time talking, Patrick Herter, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, guys? All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Yes, sir. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.